0: Wonderful. It's wonderful to be here. At... For time's sake, just to bring you up to speed, I'm from Zimbabwe. Let's get out the way. <laughs> I grew up in Zimbabwe, and uh, many years ago, I was a part of an incredible local church there in, 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 in Harare, the capital city. And uh, I remember the privilege of growing up in this, this growing church in, the, in a nation that seemingly was going backwards. The church was thriving and going forwards, and I love that about God. And in this local church, we used to meet in the school hall. Um, it was a, a school hall that had to be set up from scratch every week. It, it, had, uh, it was used as a nightclub on a Saturday night, so the team serving team got there early at 4 o'clock in the morning to scrub the bathrooms of vomit stains and, and then to pull things. So if you serving team think you have it hard here, we have got nothing on Zimbabwe, I tell you. But we, the, the team slogged to get the hall set up for people to come. And God started to do a phenomenal work as people started pouring into this school hall. Nothing attractive about this people except the presence of the living God amongst them. And people came and people found Jesus. And it was a profound, profound story that started to grow. But we had an American pastor named Pastor Tom. And he was an amazing man of faith. And he used to stand up Sunday after Sunday saying, God has a building for us. And we believed him. We were like, yes, we really want a building. The school hall's great, but not forever, please, Lord. But he said that, he said so often, and we had building funds, and we had these projects, and, and, a, and it probably wasn't the same thing to do in, an, in a climate where economy was going this way. He was saying, we need money to come this way. It just wasn't in our natural frameworks, but this man called us to a faith story. So much so that a few years passed, and we, we all one Sunday were called not to the school hall, but to an empty field. That the church had purchased. We had purchased this empty field, which was just a flay. There was nothing fancy about it. It was opposite a, a race course, but there was just, from as far as I could see this way, there was nothing. And, and, and Tom got there in, in, in a true American theatrical style. He was on top of one of those big mechanical instruments, those big things that dig foundations. And, and, and he stood on it with a hard hat on. And he used to yell out, he yelled out to the people, he says, Can you see it? we all like, what? what? Can you see our building? said, our building's going to be here. The building we've spoken for years, it's here. Can you see it? And we, got, uh, we all, in, in Pentecostal hype, yelled and amen and whooped and hollered. We're not too sure if it was going to be there ever, but we thought, we're going to follow this guy. A man in a hard hat, you do as he says. But this guy got so excited, and, but even more so his wife yeah, he, he, she got even more excited. She grabbed the microphone and ran up and down, yelling, He's a crazy man! He's a crazy man! <laughs> and he was a crazy man because in Zimbabwe, Slow News Zimbabwe, this was headline news. Tom was headline news, and the critics wanted to take him down. There were people were saying, Who does he think he is? In recession, to try and start building a monument. To come and put it, what, it's going to be an eyesore to the community. It's going to, They called it Tom's White Elephant. They said he's going to build this lavish building, but for what in Zimbabwe? Everyone's leaving. But Tom said, No, can you see something that no one else could see? He was a man of faith, and he was a crazy man. That story for me has become so deep in, uh, in, inside of who I am because I remembered it afresh the other day as uh, my wife and I sat, Fiona, we sat, had breakfast. Uh, about a month ago, and we, we, if you are unaware, we are planting a Life Changes congregation in January into Milniton and we are so excited and so stirred with faith that a whole bunch of people are, who live in Milnerton are, are okay, we're going to launch this congregation. Some of you might say, why, it's only 15 minutes away, but for a lot of people who live in Milnerton and further afield, 15 minutes is a long way to travel when you don't really want to go to church. So we thought, instead of saying, come to us, we said, we're going to go to you. That's the gospel, isn't it? Jesus said, well, instead of you trying to get to heaven, I'm coming to you. So we're just trying to be like Jesus. We're going to plant a congregation there, and my wife and I are going to be pioneering this thing with an incredible bunch of men and women. This is our story together as a church, though. But we were talking, and, uh, and as we were having this conversation, talking about next year, I felt fear start to grip me. About, oh, but why am I doing this? We, we're now going to, be, we're going to put our heads up. Uh, oh, I don't want to put our heads up. Now people are going to know, if, if, what if it doesn't go well? What if nobody comes? I start saying these statements. And as my wife does in true fashion, she just put a knife and fork down and just looked at me. Didn't need to say anything. Husbands, you know that look. She just looked and and I just felt the revelation of God break in with one look. But I felt in that moment, I literally it was God, I just felt that story of Pastor Tom. And I heard his wife's shrill American voice yelling into my head, he is a crazy man! And I felt God say this, I have never commended anyone for being reasonable. Let me say that again, God has never commended anyone for being reasonable. Well done, my good and reasonable servant. No, 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 no. And I want to tell you, we are, we are in the second week of an amazing series which will take us probably up to Christmas but we are so excited about this series because it's called, Are You Crazy? And I, I believe prophetically as I preach this morning, and I'll try and be succinct, which is a miracle on its own, we might be here till lunch. But I, wanna, I, I believe that God is in this room, a bunch of crazy men and women. Who, maybe because of circumstances and situations, have been quietened down for a while because of the pressures of life, because of situations, of, have, maybe because of sin, and maybe decisions you've made or others made, you've settled down. You've, no, at least just be reasonable. This Christian, that's, that's too much. But I believe God is going to start popping in this series. He's calling crazy men and women to step up again, yeah. not shrink back. This is why we're doing this series. Mark launched it last week. Are you crazy? It's a series based out of the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We are asking you, this is one big aim in this series, is we're not trying to whip you up into emotional fervor. Have faith in God. We want to say, read the word of God. Read the word of God, because faith comes by the word of God, hearing the word of God. And we really want to point you to this. So we want to ask, for the next few weeks, if you would dig into the book of Hebrews with us. We're majoring on Hebrews chapter 11, but we want to say, if you, as crazy men and women, it's a crazy thing to do, is spend time in the Word of God. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, but I'm telling you, it'll change your life forever. Yeah. So let's, let's turn there together. We're reading Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read the first three verses together this morning. And if you want to know what Hebrews chapter 11 is, it's basically like a Twitter version of, of the Bible. It's amazing. It's little two-liners and gives us the headliners about these heroes of faith that have, some of them have chapters written about them, but Hebrews 11 just gives us the two liners, the headline. So it's like the summary of the Bible. You know, you know that's it's a quite a good way to, if you want to pretend you know a lot about the Bible, read Hebrews 11. Oh, Abraham, yeah, by faith, Abraham. Got him down. It's a good thing, you know? So let's read it together. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. It's going to be on the screen behind me, but this is the New Living Translation. It says this Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. I read that scripture, and as I read that scripture, something inside of me just leaps towards what God is calling us to because I love this. Because it starts to frame that the whole everything we see in creation was formed out of nothing. I can imagine that moment, God sitting with the hard hat on and saying to his angels, Can you see it? (laughs) What? What are we supposed to be looking at? Just wait. Just wait to see what I'm about to do. The single planet earth and the redemption story that I'm going to birth out of this thing that's going to be the mystery of the ages revealed. The angels won't even understand. But can you see it? And God, I've said it many times, He did not have a DIY starting kit to make the creation. He did not have a, a manual, uh, left elbow connected to the what? Uh, no, no, no. The Bible tells us He created everything out of nothing. God created everything you see out of nothing. Why is this massive? I want to tell you right now, this morning, if you sing and you say, I've got nothing to give my kids. My mom and dad once sat us down after we left Zimbabwe and they they said to us, the three boys, they said, with tears in our eyes, because of situations, we'll probably never be able to leave you anything. Financially, we're ruined. We can't leave you a legacy financially. But in that moment, I just, again, I feel, again, God saying, in those moments we appear and say, I've got nothing to leave my children. I've got nothing to give them. I want to say, what God does, he says, out of nothing, I created everything. If you're here today and say, I've got nothing to give my spouse. There's just no more love left in me for her. For him, I've got nothing left. I want to tell you, perfect conditions for God to work. Because he says, out of nothing, I create everything. What have you got to give him? you just got to give him your nothing. But give it to him and watch what he'll do. Maybe you hear today and you say, I've got nothing in my future. I've got nothing going on at work. I've got nothing going on in my bank balance. Good conditions for the God of the universe to work. He doesn't need your resources. He needs your faith. This is the series we wanted to preach. And I love this because I believe God is more concerned with what's in front of you than what's behind you. I only had one AM, amen, so I'll say it again. God is more concerned with what's in front of you than what is behind you. Oh, that's good. I believe that's huge because religion, what religion does, which is opposed to Christianity, religion being the, 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 the thing of this, trying, that says you have to work your way to God. Religion keeps us looking at our past and trying to clean up our own mess, where faith says, look at what he's got in front of you. That's the big difference. And this is massive, because Craig Rochelle sees this incredible statement, and he declares it over his church, and I've been saying it to myself. He says that we are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet the farm risk-takers. We will not insult God with small thinking and safe living. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. We will not insult God with small living and safe thinking. That's who you and I are. Crazy man. Crazy woman. That's who we are. R.T. Kendall. If you just think I'm on a bit of an emotional hype, I'll throw in R.T. Kendall's name to settle all the more reformed people. Relax. Artie Kendall and Martin Lloyd Jones, they were having a discussion, reading Hebrews 11, saying, What faith? How do we distill faith, this massive concept, into something that's chewable, that we can understand? And they had this long wrestle. And after about a a long time of wrestling this topic, Martin Lloyd Jones picked up the phone and said to Artie Kendall, Believing God. That's it. If you want to know what faith is, it's believing God. That's what faith is. Faith is not something we have to muster up. Faith is believing Him. He who makes the is faithful. And I believe this is massive. For time's sake, Hebrews 11 verse 8, the scripture behind me, I'll just read off the screen, moves us on. And it talks about this incredible man. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. God, in a sense, said to Moses, to Abraham, Can you see it? But Abraham, the crazy man, obeyed God. Beautiful. So what I want to do this morning, very quickly, we're going to turn in our Bibles. As I said, Twitter version, that's the, the backstory. story, the, like, like the Marvel comics. Everyone know the Marvel comic movies? The, the, what's happened now with all the success of them, the whole branch of movies have come out called origin stories. So we don't only pick up where we see the end result. Mo, Abraham obeyed God. Sounds fantastic. The incredible thing with the Bible is there's a backstory, There's an origin story. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to read four verses out of that. Everyone all right? Give me a wave. Good. We're doing well. Genesis is right in the beginning of the Bible. So flick there, and then move 12 chapters across. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. We're reading a little bit of scripture. It's not a lot, but there are massive things we can get out of it. Verse 1 says this, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Very quickly to bring us up to speed here, this man, our good friend Abe, Abram, he was not a religious man. By any stretch of the imagination, the Bible actually tells us that his father was an idol maker. So his father's career, the way that Abram grew up in a home, which had on, all the, on the shelves and the, the dad's business, had little idols made to every other known god. That's what his dad used to do. They weren't religious. They didn't grow up in a Christian home with brilliant Bible studies. And he, No, no, no. He was an unreligious man, just going about his thing. So, so much so that I bet when Abram probably went home after this conversation, and said, Dad, God spoke to me. His dad was said, which one? That's the sort of guy we're dealing with here. Not a religious man at, by any stretch of the imagination. But this is, for me, an incredible thing, because this shows me the heart of our father. He wants to speak to people. God wants to speak to people. If you're sitting here today and you think He's holding out on you, I want to tell you that's a lie. The Father's not holding out on you. The Father says, John 3.16 says, the Father so loved you and me that He gave. And He's never retracted His hand. He's never pulled it back. He's not going too slow. He's He's still reaching out and extending, saying, will you respond? I love this because this story for me is amazing because our forefather of our faith, which Paul goes to say, Abraham is our forefather of faith. The, the, one, the poster boy of faith. He was a non-religious man. That's the forefather of our faith. A man who was the unlikely choice to become the forefather. And this shows me again that nobody is disqualified. Yeah. Yeah. Not one, not even the skinny red-haired child from Zimbabwe. <laughs> Most of your list I'll be at the back of the queue, but in him I'm at the front. And so are you if you believe God. So this is what happens. I really believe this, this thing where there's, there's so many limitations. Man. Not only is he not religious, he can't have children, so God comes to him. He's an old man who cannot have physical children. And God says, I'm going to make your family a blessing to nations. You're going to have a massive family. It's like biologically, historically, this man is uh, theologically is disqualified on every level. But God says to him, I have a future for you that's far greater than anything you could ever dream or construct. God has a future bigger than you that you could ever dream or construct on your own. I believe that. Yeah. I choose to believe it, and I, I, I invite you to do the same this morning. But back to the scripture, for time's sake. Let me just go back to the scripture, Ty. Genesis. Let's just, just see just if you notice. Yeah, it is that the first verse says, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. And go to the land I will show you. Then at the end, just just a quick note, just a quick Bible study moment. You read down, see in verse 4, this incredible response of Abram. He says, so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, comma, and Lot went with him. Back to verse 1, leave your relatives, verse 4, and Lot (laughs) went with him. So Abram, a bane packing the car. Oh, put the, the Twister game in. Oh, put the guitar. It's going to be one. Oh, this trip is believing God. I mean, Lot, get in. Lot was his nephew. Why was Lot in the car? Lot should not have been in the car. What was he doing? I put in. Lot like, oh, sneak in here. Where are we going? I'm in for the ride. Lot should not have been in the car. God said, leave your family, and he went with them. Seems like legitimate, seems like, but surely take the nephew with you. Seems legitimate, but when God calls us, sometimes he calls us to leave the good for the great. And a lot of us have settled for average, for okay, for what is legitimate. But God is saying, I'm taking you to something that's illegitimate, a future that you do not deserve. That's bigger than you could ever create on your own self. Your are steam. I love this. As Robert Medu says this, he says this. I think a lot of us as well, we all maybe mock Abram. What is he doing? Taking a lot with him. But I think we're the same. Yeah. A lot of us have left somebody or something or something, uh, an attitude to slip into the back seat of our car. I want to tell you that thing will stop you from your inheritance. Robert Medu says it this way. You have a lot to get rid of. You have a lot to get rid of. So you may be wondering this morning, why have I got these chairs here? I believe I want to ask you the question this morning and ask us together and to make decisions in our hearts. If we start to believe God, He's got something for us that's greater than we our present situation. Out of nothing, He wants to do something great. We need to make, take stock and say who's in the backseat of our car yeah. that we need to deal with this morning. That's an enemy of faith. So I want to say number one, and this point will come on the screen right now, that there's a seat in our cars called the seat of compromise. And we get inside the seat and we sit in it. And the life is good. We rock in and rock out. And the theme song of your life, you go on your road trip, you put on the theme and you hear this song. I'm hot and I'm cold. I'm yes and I'm no. I'm in and I'm out. Yes, I just did sing Katy Perry in church. (laughs) Wow. But I want to tell you, what happens when we do this, when instead of being able to, answering God, when He says, can you see it? When we allow the seed of compromise to slip in, our eyes drift from faith and start to see temptation. Yeah. Our eyes drift from faith and start to see weakness. And one day we, when things are good, when conditions are great, we're in, I'm in on this story. <laughs> oh, you don't know what I did last week. Whew. Sure, but that chick's hot. <laughs> in and out. I want to tell you that religion makes us make promises to God. I don't know if if anyone's like knows that, that, that story. I used to go to church week in and week out and make promises that day. God, things will be different from now. The next week, I'll say, I mean from now, God. I'm serious now. Religion makes us make promises to God, but Christianity's poster image says, I make promises to you. God has made promises to you that are bigger than the promises you could ever try and keep towards Him. Covenant says that He has done all the work and we need to trust Him. I, I, I want to argue that compromise, that we, we, compromise gets in not because we're not trying hard enough, but compromise gets in because we're not believing God. Let me say it again. I believe compromise gets in not because we're trying hard enough, but because we're not believing God. I want to declare very quickly this morning, if you're sitting in this seat and compromise gets in and a sin and you're battling with that sin that just keeps going on and on and on, I want to declare right now, we have to get so strong and convinced that we are not the schizophrenic people, that I'm a saved son of God, but I'm also lukewarm. We have to deny, we have to give the seat of grace a larger seat and a larger voice in our hearts. And the seed of grace has a voice that declares, you are my son. Yeah. And that needs to settle deep inside of us that there's nothing we can do to win his approval or to lose it if we believe him. Yeah. Believe What we believe changes how we behave. Yeah. But I think too, long, too much of us are giving into compromise because we believe I'm actually a lukewarm, lukewarm addict. You don't know what my dad is like. Oh, I'm just like my dad. I'm an angry person. And we end up compromising on what the word of God says about us. You are a new creation. That will rob us of faith if we don't deal with the seed of compromise. Learn to see his righteousness more than your own. Too many Christians are living with a barometer of their own righteousness. When he says, I've smashed that barometer, i put a new one, it's called my blood. Which supersedes yours. My efforts trump your efforts. It is finished. When you trust that, compromise does not have a seat in your car. Second seat. I am moving a little bit quickly through it, but just for time, but I hope you get the point. The seat of comfort. Oh. Oh. Don't mind me here, guys. I nearly missed it, but... The theme song of this one, you get in your car, and the theme song is... Sing with me if you know it. Don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing... It's going to be all right. Oh, yeah. I said, don't worry. Yeah, no, sorry. Oh. I want to tell you, this seat, when we, when we let this thing take a seat in our hearts, a seat of comfort, it's a radical thing. Because what we see, instead of seeing, can you see what I have for you? Yeah. The future. We see ease and comfort. And we see apathy. Oh, a lot of effort that, eh? Oof. We see excuses. I'm the first one to put my hand up here. I see excuses, reasons why not. Don't want to be too religious. Don't want to be too fervent. I want to tell you this incredible thing, that desire is not enough. I can tell you every single one of us, I believe here, have a desire for more of God. I believe it. We're designed for that. It's our very DNA. But I want to tell you desire is not enough. Faith is only faith when we obey. Otherwise, it's just wishful thinking. Let me say that. Faith is only faith when we obey. If you know, to remember that scripture, Hebrews 11 verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed. I want to tell you, obedience is not a swear word in the church. It is the most liberating, freeing word you could ever embrace. Because what obedience actually is this, is saying, I don't know what to do, and I don't know what's going to come if I do it but I'm just going to trust God. Yeah. I'm not too sure if I'm generous here. I might not have my, I'm just going to trust God if he's spoken. I, I don't know what your story is, but obedience and faith are twin partners. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say that again and again until we really um, remind ourselves of it. Yeah. I really, in this moment, I want to talk just very quickly about favor. A lot of us, favored. Can I tell you, you and I are favored because of Jesus full stop. There's not one person who's more favored than the other. It's in Jesus. But I tell you, how to access favor is obedience. That's it. It's there for you. Just obey. And I, I really love this. The more favor you receive, the more faith it will require. Yeah. Do you know that? The more blessing God, people are crying, God, bless me. Give me favor in my work. Give me favor. I want, I want these. When, we, when God gives favor, it requires us to have more faith because he gives us greater opportunity to step into it. Let me explain it this way. Walking in more favor will require you to exert more faith because it's going to take you to places you've never been and require you to do things you've never done, things you can't do apart from Jesus. Yeah. So when you ask God for favor, he will answer with opportunity. Do you know that? Favor is not a commodity like the super spiritual commodity. <laughs> I'm so blessed. no. biblically this is how it works God give me favor he goes cool stretch out your hand and part the red sea but I'm kind I wanted something I wanted a hoverboard or something God favor he gives us opportunity and that demands us to get off the seat of comfort I tell you, as you seize the opportunity, he empowers you with his presence and he equips you with his power. The Bible, uh, Tim Keller, who's close to the Bible, but he says, come as you are, comma, but don't stay as you are. And that's the call of the gospel. Anyone can come out of nothing. But the seat of comfort usually wants us to stay as we are. But when we deal with the seat of comfort, it moves us to a whole new level. So learn to see what God has for us. And finally, The seat of criticism. Ooh. This one, I don't know if you all are familiar with this one. It's a little bit higher than everyone else. You can look down on people. It's, uh, it's very easy, easily accessible because you know, it gives you a great view of the past, which you can dwell on and judge everyone else. And this, this one, this seat song, you put the radio on. It's too late to apologize. It's too late I want to tell you, this seat, instead of seeing what happens, we trade, do the trade. God says, can you see the future? Can you see the spouse? Can you see what I'm going to do with you guys? Can I see what I want to give you and bless you with? And the faith journey I've got for you, this seat makes us see the past. It makes us see faults. It makes us see failures. Can you see it? I want to say, do you see the future? Do you see the future that's burning in front of us? Maybe some of you are sitting here today and saying, I can't honor my boss. You don't know what he said to me. The other day, I can't honor my wife. My wife. <sighs> Do you know what she wanted? My dad, I don't know. My pastor. <sighs> the, he did not greet me at the last church. Three times. <laughs> three strikes you're out. Got to be honest. I don't know what, to, but I just want you say they. You don't know what they do. That's the word we love, eh? They hurt me. They disqualified me. They are holding me back. I want to tell you that they, whoever they are, will stop you walking into your future. They will stop you walking into your future. I believe a lot of us are giving others', vo- others voices more authority than God's. They, their voices are determining your future when God's saying, listen to my voice! My voice has more authority than they, than your pain, than your, dis- your discomfort, your, your grievances. His voice is saying, let it go, as the Disney classic says. Been too much singing this morning, we'll leave it there. But I, wanna, I really strongly believe that a lot of us are looking back, and looking back takes all our energy, it takes all your effort. God is calling us to a faith story, saying, are you crazy? And that is a, that is a moment for us to step up, to get off the seats and grab hold of what God has for us. But we don't have energy because we're drained, because we're dwelling on what they did to us. And what they said. Or what they are saying, even. There's a story in the Bible, Moses uh, alluded to it earlier. But this amazing moment where they lead them out of Egypt. Moses leads the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, to the banks of the Red Sea. In front of them is a Red Sea, but just on the horizon, the promised land, freedom, a life they'll never, ever imagine before. And as they walk in, they see the future, but then behind them, they have the chariots. The chariots are coming, and it's like they look back, and there's a chariot. They look forward, there's a future. They look back, there's chariots. Look forward, there's a future. But I want to tell you right now. Your future is determined by which direction you're looking. Your future is determined by which direction you're looking. They look back, they saw back to the pyramids, back to the slavery, back to oppression. They look forward, they see God's provision, promised land, future. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Great scripture. Here's a kicker. It does not say that no weapon will be formed. It says weapons will be formed and they will come against you. Chariots will come. The Bible just says they won't prosper. If you keep your eyes forward, if you keep your eyes on him, believe in God, holding on to that. Right now, I believe that criticism and unforgiveness will keep you in the past like nothing else. It is a killer. It is a crippler of crazy man faith. It keeps people reasonable at best. I want to pray this morning because I believe there's a a moment here in this sense here for us, for you if you're sitting on this seat criticism, it requires faith to forgive because you might not get justice you probably won't, the justice you think they probably will never say sorry so it requires faith, when there's nothing from them God's going to create something faith to forgive don't let they determine your future, I'm going to ask Mark to pray. What do you want me to pray? Let me pray. Cool. But I really believe this morning, in this brief mo- time together, as, as God has done something, as from the worship, from the, the, the moments of honoring people and friends you're visiting, and they're calling us, there's a story, a bigger story God's calling us to. I want to ask, if you've been sit, sit, sitting for too long in one of these seats, so if you allow them to creep into your heart, or creep into, into, into the back seat of your car, I believe God is saying, Leave those things behind. For a future that's bigger than you could ever imagine. And I believe God is... There's faith in our hearts. I believe faith has stirred a little bit in, the, in our hearts this morning. I'm not presumptuous on my ability to pre- preach. I, I am presumptuous on the word of God to work. And the word of God says faith comes by hearing the word. You've heard the word. But faith the activated comes from our obedience. And that starts today. But then carries on until Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. But this moment here. I'm going to ask if you can do something brave. And if you can get off your seat... Whatever it may be, seat of comfort, complacency, compromise, criticism, whatever seat you want to choose. But if there's a seat you know, say, I'm offered today, and I want to to take hold of this crazy man faith, this, this unreasonable faith, and say, God, I trust you with my nothing. I'm giving you my everything now. Can you stand to your feet, and I'll pray. If you're here this morning and you've never made a decision for Christ, or you want to say, you want to say, Gabe, you just don't know what's happened in my path. The things I've done are so terrible. Did you notice in the headline in Hebrews 11 verse 8, Lot gets no mention. Abram's mistakes don't get mentioned. Abram's doubt doesn't get mentioned. It just says, by faith, Abram believed. And this is the thing. In your story now, your story might be a big mess, but I want to tell you, he can write a headline that declares who you really are greater than anything you could ever, ever achieve, if you decide, God, I want that to be my headline. What you say, not what my past says. If that's you today, you stand with us and say, Jesus, I trust you for my salvation. I trust you for freedom in this place. Let's pray. Father, I pray with the authority of heaven as a son qualified by you, Jesus. I pray, God, right now with the seats of comfort, the seats... Of complacency, the seats of compromise, the seats of criticism which start to fall away. As sons and daughters are reminded who they are and whose they are. I thank you, Father God, that your grip on our lives is tighter and firmer than ever. You're not a God out of control. You're a God who's got a plan for our lives. And this morning, we choose, Father God, not to allow the voice of our past, the voice of our brokenness, the voice of, our, of they to determine our future. I pray, God, would heaven's voice be shouting loud? And would our hearts say yes and amen to that right now? If you, are, if you are hungry and desperate, can you just lift your hands very quickly, Tim? This is a moment of complete surrender, I believe. I believe God has got us a significant place as a church. That he's wanting to shift the gears, as Mark launched us out last week. Are you crazy? And I believe crazy men and women are rising up. Crazy men and women are rising up like never before. I thank you, Father God, would you do a deep work in our hearts that's not merely emotion, not merely just based on a Sunday moment, but something that will change our lives forever. I declare this over your people. Amen.